Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, we come today, God, with hungry hearts, expecting hearts. And Father, we believe that every time we gather as your people, God, not only do we have a promise that you're with us, but we also have a promise, God, that when we encounter your glory, God, that, that you speak to us and you change us. And so, Lord, today we choose to posture our hearts. We choose to lean into you and to receive every single thing that you would have for us today. And so, Lord, we choose to open our ears and our eyes and our heart and just simply say, Lord, we pull up to the table. We got our, our spoon and our fork. We ask that you would feed us today, God, from heaven. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for your anointing and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as most of you guys know, we have been in a series. In fact, this is part four. And the title of the series is simply The Heart of a Disciple. The Heart of a Disciple. If I can uh, simply remind all of us today uh, what's the purpose behind this series, it is simply this. It's just kind of reinforced the truth that when you and I uh, made the decision to become followers of Jesus, that, uh, you know, in spite of our age, that God invited us into something more uh, than just knowing a few Bible stories, just something more than once again attending church occasionally or singing a song or hearing a sermon or even just, uh, you know, regurgitating church lingo. Uh, listen, the, the truth is. Is, is that uh, if we can maybe grab a hold of this, I think we'd all agree. In the day and age we live in, the world needs more from us, so-called Christians, than those things, right? Like, like our few Bible stories, our singing of a song, that stuff doesn't change anything beyond these walls. Yes, it's when we understand that the anointing of God's on us, the truth of God's in us, the, uh, you know, the power of God's in us, then when we actually go out and we begin to step and move and obey, then that's when things begin to change, right? And so, listen, I believe if that's going to happen, then you and I, it's important that we grab a hold of the uh, original relationship that we were invited into as believers. And that is simply this. It's that authentic relationship that's built around uh, being a disciple. Can somebody say Disciple. So listen, with that single word in mind, I think it's vital that we understand that being a disciple is so much more than just who we say we are. Uh, you Listen, if you've lived long enough, then you know talk is cheap, right? And a lot of people say a lot of things that they really, uh, they really aren't. And so when we talk about being a disciple, it's really what we show we are that counts. Amen? So listen, you see, being a disciple is first and foremost uh, locked in, is keyed in, is rooted in, in simply this, of knowing him and becoming more like him. And then when we actually know him, we're becoming more like him. That discipleship or who we are is actually revealed or becomes evident to the world around us uh, as we make him known by what? By our words and our actions. In other words, all of it's got to line up. So the point I'm trying to make here just up top is this, and it's kind of a recap, but it's to understand that being a disciple, man, it, it is it is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not a thing that we turn off and on, you know, depending on who we are around or, or, you know, or what day of the week it is. In other words, I don't become more of a Christian on Sunday than I am on Monday. Amen. Because the bottom line, you know, it's who I am. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ and that never stops. Amen. So, so listen, for this morning, I want to turn our attention, uh, for lack of better words, to another heart piece that I believe God wants us to have as his disciples. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you it is something simple, and, uh, and the points are simple, but I have learned that, once again, it's in the simple things that our lives are probably changed the most. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. So listen, I believe it's this, and we'll go ahead and, and throw it out there, that God just really expects that every one of his disciples would have this. It's a servant's heart. It's a servant's heart. A servant's heart. And uh, the reason he expects this is because that is who he is. Right? He is a servant, uh, which means if he lives in us, then we should be one too. So listen, we all know Mark 10, 45, or at least you've heard this guy rattle it off plenty. But it says this in Mark 10, 45. It says, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. And if you've been hanging around with us on Wednesday nights for Cultivate, then uh, you know our first verse that we kind of memorized as a group was simply this. is out of 1 John, for those who claim to know him live like him or walk like him. And so if we say that we believe these scriptures, then that means it's got to go beyond a, a head knowledge and beyond a hearing. And it's actually got to begin to uh, go down deep in our hearts and actually begin to produce fruit of some kind. Yes? yes. All right, so listen, before we jump in, I, I've been alive long enough, and more importantly, I've been a Christian long enough to know that when somebody mentions that seven-letter word, servant, right, that it can quickly turn south. Right, like, like people just turn it off, they check out, they go, oh my God, not again, right? And, and part of the reason is, is even though we don't come out and say it, it's because as soon as we hear that word serving, uh, there's a lot of internal thoughts that begin to fire off in us. And, and typically those thoughts, you know, are kind of like this, and, and uh, you, you'll get the heart here. A lot of times they, they go this, they'll hear the word serving, and then immediately our response is, is what's in it for me? What's the benefit for me in that? Don't get quiet on me, all right? Listen, so often it's like uh, we think, even though we don't say, you want me to serve who? And why do you think that they're worthy of my effort and my energy? I've been doing this a long time. Don't play with me today, all right? Here's the thing. Listen, how many times have people said, you know what, man, I've tried that before. It was boring. I didn't like it. Uh, no thanks. I hate it. I'm not ever doing it again. Like how many times do we hear this, that, man, people automatically think, uh, do these people not understand that I have so much going on in life that I don't even have time to do all the things I need to do. What makes them think that I got time to do that serving thing? And then I think lastly is really what all this is rooted in is simply this. It's like, okay, so if I'm going to do that serving stuff, uh, then who's going to meet my needs? Because there's this thing that all of us have, we want to admit it or not, we all look out for number one and it's us. Because we think if we don't look out for us, who else will? Right Now, I realize that those may or may not be the exact thoughts that run through your brain when you hear that word, but I think if we admit it or not, we all fight uh, for our perceived rights of self-preservation. Right? In other words, we all want to automatically protect uh, you know, our wants, our needs. Most importantly, we want to protect our time. And all of that of what's me-centered is first, and a lot of times the gospel and the kingdom become second. So, listen, but of course what happens is, is when somebody comes to us and they mention something about serving, we're all too nice, and let's be honest, we're too spiritual uh, to just say really what we're thinking. Uh, so I can just help all of you relax. Nobody's going to ask you to serve anywhere today. That's not really the slant we're taking. So um, I do, even though I don't want to ask you to quote-unquote serve somewhere today, right, what I do want to ask you to do for a moment is to, is to actually do something for yourself, and that is this. Can, can you take a moment and just remember who you were and where you were when Jesus came into your life? Like, can we stop for a minute? Because a lot of times we get so caught up in life, we get running and we forget. But can we remember who we were and where we were when Jesus came into our life? 
And I think in light of that, I want to share one of my favorite verses with you that's actually on, that I perceive on this topic of serving. It's kind of an obscure scripture that uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use it in this light. But it's Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. And it says this. It says, Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. In other words, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Can you remember who you were and where you were yet? You see, you might not have been uh, laying in a bed sick with a fever, but you were sick, afflicted, and affected with something. True? Yes. Listen, maybe you were sick with depression. Maybe you were sick with rejection. Maybe you were sick with confusion or fear. Maybe you were sick with bitterness and anger. Maybe you were sick with addiction. Maybe you were sick with an orphan heart just trying to find somewhere to belong. Maybe you were sick in hopelessness, sick with brokenness. Maybe you were sick due to a lack of purpose. Uh, every single person in this room was sick in sin at some point. Or maybe you were just sick with a wondering and empty and a lost heart. Listen, whatever your personal ailment was, only you know, the point is, is like Peter's mother-in-law, thank God that Jesus loved you enough that he met you exactly where you were at, right? That he came to the doorstep of your heart. He didn't knock. He walked in, and he healed you of whatever you need to be healed and rescued from, right? The point is this, is, man, that is salvation, right? Spirit, soul, and body, can you remember? Listen, my Bible says in Romans 5, 6, it says, when we were utterly helpless... We've all been there. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. See, the reason I love Matthew 8, 14 and 15 so much is because it shows us what should be our natural response to when Jesus touches our lives. In other words, let's look at verse 15 again. It says, so he touched her hand and the fever or the issue left her and she arose and did what? Y'all say it with me. Sir. Caught me off guard. We'll try it again. So he touched your hand and the fever left her and she rose and much better. Listen, notice how her natural response from a heart of gratitude, no doubt, was to get up and to serve. See, we see a similar response from Saul, who we all know as later as the Apostle Paul, uh, when he was converted in Acts chapter 9. If you can, read this with me. It says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Boy, I love that. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, keep doing it your own way. In verse 6 it says, So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said what? He said, Lord. Do you understand that when we come to Jesus, man, he's not just our Savior, but he is our Lord, right? He is our master, and he is the one that's in charge of our lives, amen? He's the one that bought us with the price. And so I believe that that moment, that's when he was converted. And I love the fact that he said what? Right after, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, the point that I'm trying to make here, I'm going to give you, I'm going to throw some scriptures at you and sling a point right behind it. That's how we're going to do it today. But the point I'm trying to make here is this. If we realize or not, a true mark of not just discipleship, but of our salvation is our willingness and our heart to serve. See, at salvation, what should have happened is all self-preservation should have went out the window. 
right? And from our hearts, we should have said, like Peter's mother-in-law, we should have said what? God, because you did this for me, right? It is now a joy and a pleasure to live a life that serves you in your will. And I believe what should follow up behind that is what? It's like Paul, that we should say, not only am I giving you my life, but God, now what do you want me to do? And wait on him and not give him a bunch of ideas. See, while I was actually uh, praying and preparing for today, I was actually reminded of two stories. My old pastor, it's uh, actually Candace's dad, uh, when, when he had his moment where the Lord touched him, he was basically uh, living at a golf course. He was running a, he was managing a whole golf course, kind of living the dream that he wanted. And he got deathly sick and he was literally on his deathbed. And he uttered to the Lord, we're talking about like late 20s. He uttered to the Lord and said, Lord, if you touch me, if you heal me, I will do whatever you want me to do. The next morning woke up completely healed. And his response was, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And he moved to Dallas and he went to, a, went to college and the rest is kind of history. The other story I was reminded of while I was reading this is if you've ever heard of a guy named Lester Sumrall, incredible man of God. Lester was, I think, 17 years old, 18 years old. He was dying of tuberculosis. They knew, man, the writing is on the wall. Man, he's done. Lester's gone. And uh, Lester was laying in bed. And he had a vision, and basically Jesus came to him, and he saw a Bible on one side of the bed, and on the other side of the bed, he saw the coffin. And the Lord said, it's your choice. Either you can preach my gospel, or you're going to be in one of these basically by tomorrow. And, and he, because he didn't want to live, I mean, didn't want to die, <laughs> love when that happens, uh, <laughs> Because he didn't want to die. He wasn't interested in preaching the gospel, but he agreed. And it took him about a year to really get God's heart on it. And then the rest is history. Because the guy's probably one of the most godly men that's lived in the last hundred years. Incredible, powerful man of God. Went to like over 90-something countries preaching the gospel. So listen, just example. Once again, he saves us. He touches us. That there should be this response after that. God, what do you want me to do, right? Now listen, before we move on, I want you to notice one more thing here in Matthew 8, 15. It says this. This is key. It says, so he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and served who? Them. Notice the story with my pastor. It was not about getting up and just serving God. When we talk about Lester, it wasn't just about serving God. It was about serving God, yes, but also about serving people. When I answered the call, I didn't go in a cocoon, and now I'm isolated. It's just me and Jesus. No, it's still about me and God and people. Right? Are y'all hearing me today? So listen, in my opinion, I believe this scripture here in Matthew 8 kind of gives us a basis of our Christian life. That yes, he has touched us. And, and, and what? And like in a response to his love, we not only have the opportunity to serve him, but also others as well. That there's this thing inside of every one of us, if you're really born again, that you should have this mindset that God has so drastically changed my life. If there's anything that I can do to help someone else experience that, then I'm willing. Great place to say amen. If you don't have that, go to an altar, please, quickly. Listen, Matthew 14 says this. I'm going to try to show you what Jesus has given you. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. It puts it this way. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
It's a theme in Jesus' ministry that he hasn't stopped. It says that evening disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. So Jesus, don't you think we should send these folks away so they can go into a village and they can buy food for themselves? Surely there's a McDonald's right here somewhere. But Jesus says this, yeah, for real, you live in Maine, it closed at five. All right, here we go. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. Watch this. You feed them. Man, if you hear anything from the Lord today, that isn't necessary. You feed them. There's a responsibility that we have in the kingdom, gang. Amen? Then it says in verse 17, it says, that they said, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And I want you to know that your little is good enough. It's enough. It's enough. Amen. When you give your enough to God, he'll make up the difference. It says, basically, that's what they said in verse 18. It says, bring them here. Verse 19 says, then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. And then he did what he wants to do to every one of us. He broke them. Do you understand that? If you want to be any use to the kingdom, you've got to be willing to be broken. It says, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave, watch this, he gave the bread to the disciples, and then what happened? It says, who distributed it to the people. He gave it to the disciples, and then the disciples gave it to the people. To understand that every one of us here, if we want to live for the will of God, man, you've got to be satisfied with being the middle man. Amen? Literally, the God of miracles will move through you as the middleman if you'll let him. As long as you don't try to be the man and make it about you, he will move through you. Please hear my heart with that. Verse 20, it says, They all ate as much as they wanted, because that's the kingdom way. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. In verse 21, about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So listen, what's the point we're trying to make is is this, is that Jesus gave his disciples a serving ministry and they served the people. Once again, they didn't just serve Jesus. These 12 guys didn't go along and follow Jesus everywhere he went and just hand and foot meet all of his needs. That's not how Jesus did life with these guys, right? They went around and what happened as he served people, they got to be a part and they served people. So when we look at this portion of scripture, here's what's key is yes, he gave them a serving ministry, and they served the people, but they served the people with what Jesus gave them. In all reality here, let me, let me say it in all actuality, they served, they served people with what they gave Jesus and what Jesus sanctified and turned around and gave it back to them, then they could give it. So often the disconnect that we have in serving is because we try to do everything on our own and we haven't surrendered to God. But if we take a moment and actually go, God, here's my life. Here's the gifts, the talents, the abilities. Here's everything that you've given to me. And then you let him put his touch. Let him put his anointing on it. Then he hands it back to you. And as the middleman, then you give it. Then stuff happens. See, that's the difference between, man, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that are great singers. And they sing and all they do is stir people's emotions. But there's no change. And I've seen someone that doesn't seem that great, that's connected with Jesus, the anointing of God's all over them. And when they sing, man, people's lives are changed. Why? Because they're little, they gave it, and he anointed it and gave it back to them, and then they were the middle man. Are you hearing me today? 
So the point is, I want you to grab a hold of this, is if we realize or not, Jesus is still serving people today in the exact same way that he served them over 2,000 years ago, and that's through his disciples. So hear this, that he is longing still, guys, today, 2020, right, to serve people through us, through you. Let's make it personal today. That he has given you a serving ministry, and he desires for you to serve people with the things that he has given you. So the question today is if we maybe stop for a second and go, what has he given me? Because everybody doesn't sing, and everybody doesn't play, and everybody doesn't preach, but God's given every one of his gifts that are just as equal and just as important. Right? And so, so, God, what's the gift that you gave me, and how can I use it to serve? Because if we remember, the gifts that he's given us are never really about us. And that's where we get our wires crossed is because we try to make our gifts about us. But if we understand that, guess what? That, yes, he gave me, uh, you know, the gift of carpentry to make money. And that's awesome, right? But, but if that's all you ever do with that gift is provide for yourself, then you're missing the heart of the kingdom because he gave you that gift to even benefit and serve others. So what gift did he give you? Maybe it's to be able to listen. Maybe it's to be able to counsel. Maybe it's just to be able to be there and just, and just literally help an old person go get some growth, whatever it is, Right? What's the gift he gave you? All right, let's ask another really important question. It's simply this, and this is huge. And I think this is a hang-up for us a lot of times, if I'm being honest. So what's the question? It's who does he want us to serve? Who does he want us to serve? To answer that question, I want to look at John 13, 3 through 15. Maybe along the way, I'll, I'll throw a few other points at you here. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that he had come from God, give it over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Watch this. Because Jesus knew who he was, because he knew where he came from and where he was going, because he was secure in his identity as the Son of God, he was able to do this. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. What am I telling you? I'm telling you when we don't know who we are, sons and daughters of God, when we're not secure in that, serving is a really difficult thing. And it says this, Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. And verse 6 says, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. If I can pause there again. And, and I, you know, listen, I don't know why I need to point this out, but maybe there's a reason. If this has nothing to do with our message today. But listen, if there's somebody in here that's going through a spot in your life that you say, uh, man, I don't know why I'm at where I'm at. I don't know why I'm walking through this. I never expected it. Man, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what's going on right now. Like, God, what are you doing? If you can just hear the word of the Lord today, just simply say this, that you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And it's in that knowing of someday you will that you got a good father and that you can trust him. And that if you just hang on, guess what? He'll reveal it to you in due time. Like how many of us that have walked with the Lord for years, uh, been able to look back a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, ten years ago when we didn't have a clue. But now we have revelation. I, I had a man walk up to me one time when I was 19 years old and give me a prophetic word. For years I interpreted that a certain way. And in last year... I sat down and I opened up a book and I read a scripture out of the New Testament and it came to life. That, and so that would be 21 years later. 
that I, that I had spent years thinking it was down the road and that I was still waiting for something and I didn't realize it, that I had been walking in that prophetic word for almost 20 years and I didn't even realize it because I didn't connect the dots. Make sense? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm, do, what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Good response. Got to want all of it, right? Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet or the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean. Watch this. That's why we're reading this, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Who's he talking about here? Some of Judas, right? It says in verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. Because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Now listen, I do not believe that he was setting some uh, you know, ordinance into the church that we have to watch each, wash each other's stinky feet every six months. Praise God for that. <laughs> but I do believe he was trying to instill in us a heart, a posture of our heart that we should have. Because when you really look at this, you know that that was the job. When you know the history of what was going on where they lived, that was the job of the lowest of lowest of lowest servants in that house. And Jesus, the King of Kings, took that position, right, of the lowest of lowest servants. And he's saying, you too should be able to do that. All right, so I want us to notice something here. Here's why I read that. Is notice that while Jesus washed all 12 of the disciples' feet, John, the author here, only highlight, if you will, two of them, right? One was Peter, the other one was Judas. One was obviously Peter, who is in the inner circle with John and James, right, the three, and then the other one was the one who would ultimately betray him. So he washed, at least he highlighted, two fellas that he washed that show and represent each end of the spectrum of people with him. Are y'all tracking? Which means to me, the lesson here is that if Jesus didn't just wash the feet of his closest friends, but he was also willing and didn't hesitate to wash the feet of the traitor that sold him out, then so should we. Because he gave us an example. So, listen, to answer the question, who does Jesus want us to serve? Jesus wants us to be willing to serve anyone. I know I keep saying that again and again, but I want us to grab a hold of it. To understand that, that anyone includes people who don't like us. People who rub us wrong, people we don't naturally click with, people we don't agree with, right? Those that aren't even thankful that we helped them in the first place. There's loads of those people. Those people who we, when we're having a cocky day, we think we're better than, right? And even those who are just really using us ultimately for their own benefit, so the key in the heart of what he's saying here is, man, whoever I highlight, whoever I point out, whoever I choose, I want you to be willing to serve them. So with that thought in mind, listen to this quote by Pat Williams. He wrote a book called How to Be Like Jesus. Simple but powerful book. He said this, says, servant leaders do not always wind up in the corner office or at the head of the parade. Please understand that that's a position you have in the kingdom. You're a servant leader. Because your king was. 
says, in fact, servant leaders sometimes find themselves nailed to a cross. That, of course, is the example Jesus set, so it is the example we must follow. For I have been crucified with Christ, right? The greatest leader who ever lived took his towel and basin and stooped to wash the feet of 11 followers and one traitor. Here's the whole reason I'm reading this quote. It says, through his example of servanthood, a world was transformed. Through his example of servanthood, a world was transformed. My single thought in response to that quote is this. Is if that is how Jesus transformed this world, then what makes us think that we can change it in any different way? Or in another way? All right. So we're going to land this thing. Where, where do we begin? All right. Where do we begin? This is so huge. The first place that this begins, in other words, where does, so I understand I have a calling to serve, I understand who I have to serve, but, but where do I actually serve, all right? And I want you to know it's so much bigger than these four walls, amen? So where do, where do we begin? Where do we begin serving? Simple answer, man, is in your home. It's in your home. Man, can you serve your spouse even on the day when you're not getting along? Because that's the true test of servanthood. Right? Like, can you serve your children? Kids, can you serve your parents? Kids, can you serve your siblings? Right? Because the truth is, man, if this servant mentality, the servant's heart is not working at home, we really can't export it. Right? So, so often, man, we, we think, man, we can go fake the funk. You really don't. You still stink. People know. Right? You, you're not hiding it that well. At least if you get around somebody that's discerning. So secondly, where do we begin? Okay, so yes, it starts at the home. Now, now where does it go after that? Secondly, it's this. All you have to do is step out your front door. This is so simple, but please hear me. Listen, we don't have to struggle and strive to try to find someone to serve. Right? They are all around us. To understand, man, they are our neighbors. Right? They're at uh, the grocery store. They're at Walmart. Man, they're in the office right down the hall. They're in our third period English class. They are on our sports team. They're, they are our relatives, even the crazy ones. Right? Listen, they're downtown Rockland, Camden, Rockport, Union, Lincolnville, Thomaston. Name wherever you live. Friendship. Wherever you live, man, they're there, right? They're at Life Ministries. They are at CareNet. They're at the Soup Kitchen. They're at City Council. And despite of what everybody thinks, they're still at our police department. They're in our school system. They're the elderly. They're the mentally and the physically handicapped. Keep going down the list, guys. Listen, and yes, they're even here in this church. Listen, the bottom line is, guys, the service opportunities. In other words, opportunities to give the heart that God gave you. Man, the service opportunities are as equal as the harvest. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 9.37. He said they are plentiful. The harvest is Plentiful, but the workers or the servers are only few, right? So what's the thing? We need to walk out our front door, right, every morning, and we just need to look up, right? And we need to simply say this, Holy Spirit, speak to me today and lead me. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, the most true thing I'm saying today is if you say, Holy Spirit, show me, he will. Now listen, it might not be as big as what you think it should be. It may be really tiny. It may be as simple as picking up a piece of trash off the ground. But guess what? It's serving. Yeah. Amen? 
See, one of the things I'm hoping that we grab a hold of today is that, man, when we set our hearts to be a disciple, we set our hearts to have a servant's heart, it's not really about this single opportunity that I go and check in and check out of every Sunday morning. Is that important? Yes. Should there be commitment? Yes. Should there be faithfulness? Yes. But it's to understand that when we really have a servant's heart, it's not about an opportunity. Rather, it's about a lifestyle. And the reason is, is because when you have the heart of a servant, guess what? Everywhere this man goes, his heart goes with him. And if a servant's heart goes with me everywhere I go, then I can't help but to serve. To be key. And I'm not just talking about when it benefits you. Okay, or when it gets you a pat on the back, right, or when it's convenient. Because the best service opportunities are when none of those things happen. In fact, the best ones are that, that happen, truthfully, is when, is when no one even sees you and no one's around and no one knows. Yeah? Here, I'll, I'll shoot straight with you. Jen and I were down in Dripping Springs, Texas, and you guys have heard me talk about Brother Britt a lot. We were staying with his sister, probably the nicest woman that's ever walked on this planet. She is so sweet. And, uh, and we have four kids in that woman's house. And uh, my four kids, you know, I think all of them have a hole in their lip. And because uh, when they drink and eat, it just falls right out. And so anyways, and their feet were dirty and they're all playing. And she's like, cool. Miss Kim is so cool. So sweet. Didn't even care. But, but, but she went into the back room, and Jen was cleaning, and Jen, man, helps me a hundred times over in this. So I run in there, and I, and the second time I stay with her, because Tommy and I stay with her before, too, and I, and I get the broom, and I'm sweeping. And as I'm sweeping, I'm trying to clean up, I realize, oh, my gosh, like, I, there was something in me. I was like, I wanted her to see me doing it. <laughs> and then I went, don't act like you guys have never been there, right? Like, oh, if they could see me now, right? Like, I'm doing this for them. Right? And so I'm sweeping, and then I know that's wrong, and then I, like, rebuke myself, and then I'm trying to hurry so she doesn't see me. <laughs> yeah, the dilemma. I don't know why I shared that, but there you go. All right. All right, one more significant question, and we'll be done. So why would Jesus want us to have the heart of a servant? Like, why? Everything he does, there's always a reason. Everything. He's so intentional. So why would he want to have the heart of a servant? Uh, at, the, at the core of this is simply this, because he loves people. And it's a way that, you know, it's a, there's something so neat to be in a position where you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and you begin to show the love of God to someone else. Like, so cool, right? Where, when people begin to see, man, that's who he is. Like, how many times have I heard people say, Man, I, I said this morning, God, like literally God, in fact, it happened with you the other day, like a few weeks ago, like God, if, if you're real, would you send somebody to do this? And when we're listening, I can't tell you how many believers have heard God and they've stepped out and did something and the people said, I prayed this morning, God, if you're really real, show me. And he answered it. That's fun. So a lot of times I think, don't, don't do this, if I can just say anything here is don't just go, ah, okay, that's probably me. Fleeting thought. It's probably, the, it's probably the Holy Spirit because you didn't think of it. Right? Because most of us never think about, oh, I want to go do that. So secondly is this, when we, of the reason why he wants us to do it, Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 40. He said, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, 
you were doing it to me. Yes, even picking up a piece of paper off the ground is an act of worship to your king. So often we limit worshiping to singing. But I want you to know, the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, man, that our lives, right, are an act of worship. So the things we do for people or for Jesus, man, it's worship. Amen? Can I give you one more? Good, because I was going to. All right, here we go. I love y'all. All right, here we go. So, so listen, I think while that should be enough, another thought. In, in, this, in this, the first time I heard this, I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. And the more that I've heard it, I was, I'm like, wow, that's so right. So after 20-something years of walking with Jesus, where we're 22 years, whatever now, 23, 24, um, I've come to learn that this is that we need to serve people more than people need us to serve them. That we need to serve people more than people need us to serve them. Here's why I say that. Because if you and I are willing to be honest and think back on our lives when we were the most selfish, self-centered person we could be, right? Living only for ourselves. Like, if we can remember that, let's ask ourselves, how fulfilled were we in that point? Like, how much peace and how much joy was really in our hearts? The answer is, is not much, right? And the thing is, if we're being honest, man, we were frustrated, we were miserable. And the odd thing is, is really in this life, the more we focus on ourselves, the less content and the less satisfied we actually become. Like, really, if you want, truthfully, I'll say this. If I'm honest and I go, you, you know, look, we've been married 17 years. Highs and lows. Don't act like you ain't ever been there, Okay. Highs and lows. And if I'm honest, at our lowest times is when I was being the most selfish. Right? Of when I had no fulfillment, no joy, and no peace, it was because me or her, because it takes two to make everything go right, as Cool in the Gang says, okay? That, that literally, that one of us were being selfish at that point, and, and that caused us, what, to not to be content and not be satisfied. But it's when we both have a posture of a heart of serving Man, the lights come on. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one more verse. Here's why, here's why this happens. In John 13, 17, because Jesus really knows what he's talking about. Hope you heard that. So after he washes the disciples' feet, and he says, I've given you an example, he says this powerful thing in verse 17. He says, if you know these things, here's the key. Blessed are you if you do them. Not, listen, not if you know all this, you'll be satisfied and content. If you just hear it, you'll be satisfied and content. No, 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 no. If you actually apply what I'm telling you to do, then guess what? You're unlocking heaven and blessings of God will come on your life. And those blessings come with joy. And those blessings come with peace. And those blessings come with the fulfillment of knowing that you're making a difference in someone else's life. Amen? So if you want to keep heaven locked, be selfish. If you want to open it up, have the heart of a servant and watch God do what only he can do. Let me give you one last story and we'll be out of here, okay? And Tommy, in fact, if you want to go and come and, and play me a little, a little ring-a-ding-ding, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I don't know where those scenes come from. <clears throat> Never said I was a musician. All right, here we go. 
Check this out. I, I have a friend. We've been, we've been buddies since we were 19 years old. And this is the guy that um, we used to fast and pray together nonstop. So we were, anyways, we were roommates. And, and uh, he's, he's, my, he's my brother in the faith. Uh, he, he actually, I, I went uh, in one direction. I moved to another state. He went to the mission field. And he was working in Mexico. And you guys hear us talk about Brit a lot. Brit's the guy that trained him. And he's down there in Mexico. And they had a... They had a, a crusade. That will be the word I guess I'll use this moment. They had a, basically a time where they were just, man, going for broke, almost like a big conference, right? And so they have this massive tent, and they have, I don't, man, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of, of Indians that have come out the jungle that they're ministering to. And, uh, and so what they would do is his role in this team that was leading this, uh, his role was to work in the kitchen. And so what he would do is, I don't know, 200 people would come in, they'd feed them, and then they would leave, and then another 200 would come, and they would feed them. And so, anyway, so he was in that process, and, you know, they were down there in the tent, and they were having straight Holy Ghost, like God was moving. So much so, like, they're just worshiping, and you got to, I mean, these guys go for it. They're so open to the Spirit, it's incredible. And, uh, and so while they're happening, what he, he looks over and he literally sees the physical manifestation, what the Bible calls the Shekinah glory of God over the whole tent. Now hear me. So it, it's, it's Bible. Don't get freaked out. It's in there. Okay. So he literally sees the, the, the literally Shekinah glory come and go over the tent and fill that tent up. The God's presence. And his question was this. He says, because he was telling me what happened there. And he said, Quentin, do you want to know what I was doing when I saw the glory of God? He said, I was serving. What a great lesson. Listen, if we want the glory of God to come in our homes, if we want the glory of God to come into our lives, right, then maybe we should serve. It may not be the physical manifest presence of God, but it will be his glory in some point. If we can get off, our, off of our self-righteous right pious castle for a moment if we can come down and we can be lowly like jesus be humble and meek and do what he did then maybe we'll see the glory that he carried amen amen, amen. can we just close our eyes and let me pray for you please is that all right good i'm going to do it anyways <laughs> father we thank you for just the opportunity to come and hear your word lord the truth is is your word never really gets old and so, Father, as we've come today, Lord, and we opened up our hearts wide to you, Father, uh, I believe, we believe that you've spoken. So, Father, we ask, God, that you would begin to move as only you can move in our hearts. And, God, that you would begin to just, man, show us where we're at in the subject. And, Lord, I just believe, as most of us would simply say this, God, forgive me for living a selfish life. God, forgive me for not having a posture of a servant. And so, Lord, today would you come and would you deposit more of the heart of Jesus inside of us so we can live as people who serve, so we can, once again, be like the one that we claim to know. And so, Lord, I even ask today that when we walk out of this room, God, that you would begin to open our eyes. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to open our eyes to begin to see service opportunities because, God, we know they're all around us. And so, Lord, we just simply say, God, we want to be in agreement with you, and we want to do what you've called us to do, and we want to be who you say uh, we're called to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.